Time went by, but the profound remorse remained. It's still smoldering as my heart is beating. I can't remember the last time I slumbered in peace after that night. I have been told to exteriorize these feelings, to free them from my inner cage. Five years ago, Holly, my only daughter, turned six. Time is fragile. It fades with each clickety-clack of the clock. However, call it a blessing or a curse, the worthy memories remain, vivid as if living them today. Her sixth birthday earned its eternal place in the burrows of my mind, not due to her joyous smile, nor due to the love brimming in the atmosphere of our garden. It earned its place because that night she met her imaginary friend, Darren. Let's talk about Holly. She was my treasure, the only one I would forever cherish, love, and protect with my very life and soul. She glowed. She just did. There's no way around it. She was polite, witty for her age, charming and effective. The concepts of lie and pride never made their way into her being. She never hesitated to say I love you or I hate you. She only knew truth and innocence. Words of a father you might be thinking, and you are right. I did know pride, thanks to her. Our whole family gathered for her sixth birthday. It was a crowded event, to say the least. Fortunately, I went swimmingly. Cake on the table. Holly eager to extinguish the candle's fiery flames as we all sang happy birthday. Don't forget your wishes, darling, said my mother with a broad smile. Holly clapped to the beat. Her features expressed sheer happiness. That same magical feeling we felt on Christmas night when we were children. When our imagination convinced us of the existence of a fat, white-bearded man clad in a red suit climbing down our chimneys to leave us presents, we didn't know what the world was capable of, and we didn't care. Holly was no different. The idea of an imaginary friend made sense. The next morning she came to the table, gave me and her mother a good morning kiss, and joined us in our delicious task to devour a pile of hotcakes. Mom, I want to eat veggies today at lunch, she said. Both my wife and I gazed at each other with a frown filled with confusion. She hated veggies. Sure, sweetie, anything for my precious princess, my wife said pinching Holly's cheeks. I told you they were tasty, I said and smiled at her. Strangely, she turned her eyes away from me and stared downward. Holly? She shut her eyes tight. She believed that when she closed her eyes, she disappeared briefly and wouldn't open them. Holly, what are you hiding? I asked, worried. This was not a normal behavior of hers. She only did it when she made a mistake. Her eyes opened and she sighed audibly, as if defeated. I didn't taste any veggie, she confessed. Darren told me I had to be a good girl and eat them, otherwise Santa would bring me coal and ash instead of a puppy this Christmas. Come again? Who is Darren? I asked and leaned forward, making sure I didn't miss a single word. She covered her eyes with her palms. Holly, I can see you. Who is this Darren? At this point, my wife grabbed my forearm and signaled for me to calm down by pushing both her hands in downward motion as if pushing the air. Holly gave up. Yesterday, I wished for a new friend and my wish was granted. Darren lives in my wardrobe. He visited me last night. She said and found refuge in a big hotcake bite. Any imaginary friend, I had them too, I thought to myself, and switched the conversation to another topic. At least he seems to give her good advice. How wrong I was. The next couple of days, everything went fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. We grew accustomed to hearing her talk by herself late at night. Out of curiosity, I have examined the wardrobe and found nothing. Holly did try veggies and fell in love with spinach. Naturally, I showed her Popeye, one of my favorite cartoons. There's an inflection point to everything. It had been six days since she confessed Darren's existence, 
That morning, the joy of her smile turned into pouting lips, downcast eyes, and a despondent gait. She didn't even kiss us good morning. Holly, what's wrong, princess? Her mother asked, caressing her arm. Holly shut her eyes and refused to open them, longer than ever before. Ten minutes had gone by and we didn't know what to do. Holly, we're not playing anymore. We can see you. Did Darren upset you? I asked, on the verge of losing my temper. Tears streamed down her cheeks, but at least she nodded. Good, I will go have a talk with Darren right now and fix this, I said and pretended to stand. No, she screamed, eyes wide open. You can't talk to him. I frowned. Why is that? He... He is in a bad mood lately. He says that you are both stupid adults and that I shouldn't believe you. Tears intensified. I stood and cradled her. She wasn't a baby anymore, but my instinct guided me. Listen to me, princess. If he treats you bad, you come to her bedroom, okay? I will have a talk with him while you're in school. She nodded and finished her breakfast. Claudia and I left her at school and then went on to our respective jobs. We both agreed that if Darren didn't disappear, a psychologist would be a must. I asked my boss for a day off under the excuse that I was feeling feverish. He told me to take as many days as needed. We have known each other for a long time and had a great relationship. I came back home early. I felt the need to research about these imaginary friends. How did you handle such an intangible subject that affected the mood of your kid? May this be an early sign of a mental sickness? Doubts flooded my mind. I had to arm myself with knowledge to protect my daughter. A cold gust of wind blew my notes away. Damn, I forgot to shut the window this morning. I thought and kept reading. After a while, I needed fuel, so I went to the kitchen. In the way, I found a pink crayon on the floor. Hiring a cleaning lady might be a good idea. I researched a lot throughout the day. Most papers said the same thing. Imaginary friends are normal, part of their lives. Yet, when they impulsed your child to misbehave, it was a good idea to seek for therapy as early as possible. They also suggested to try and hear a conversation and try to analyze the current thought of your child. And that's what I did. The night fell. Dinner filled my stomach. I talked with my wife about my plan. She agreed under the terms to not wake her up. I hid in the bathroom. It was next to Holly's bedroom and pressed my ear against the wall to hear as much as I could. That's a bad idea, Darren. I won't do that, Darren. It's dangerous. My father will scold me. I will do it if you promise to talk instead of write for once. My heart sunk. The window, the crayon, Holly tiptoed towards the kitchen. She didn't even notice me in the shadows. Could it be? Is my imagination tricking me? A few seconds later, Holly tiptoed back to her room. She held something behind her back. Her gait was careful, soundless. She crossed the bathroom door and I peeked to see what she had. A knife. Before she reached her bedroom, I grabbed her and covered her mouth, suppressing the scream. Sheer fear imbued her eyes. I beckoned for her to go with her mother and took the knife from her hands. She nodded and I gingerly placed her back onto the ground. I pressed my index finger against my lips, signaling her to remain silent. She tiptoed to our bedroom. With the knife tightly clasped on my hand and my jaw clenched, I walked towards Holly's room. I didn't feel fear. The deep hatred of someone perturbing my daughter drowned it. The adrenaline swarmed in my veins, heart pummeling. A triangle of light escaped towards the hall. The door was upholstered. I pushed the door. Sitting with a red crayon in his hand was a shirtless, anorexic man, bones visible through his paper-like skin. I shuddered at the fragility of his being, the shaft of his extremities narrower than Holly's. He turned to me. I had never seen eyes as dead as his, expressionless, bloodshot, and unreadable. He stared deep into my pupils, unblinking as he wrote. The fear grew and crippled my body. What is this monster? He raised the paper and smiled exaggeratedly, displaying no teeth nor tongue. Her core, a sweet fruit.
I let the knife fall. I wouldn't need it. I surged towards him and kicked him in his face. He didn't flinch, nor did he resist. He fell limp onto the floor, bleeding. I kneeled over him, snatched his neck, eyes inhumanely wide. Hatred defeated fear and rushed towards my fists. The crack of his windpipe soothed my existence. He was dead, but I wouldn't stop. Not until I disfigured that smile out of his cadaverous face. The warm blood bathed my fists and stained the floor. What did you do to her? What did you do to her? I yelped as I massacred him. Robert, my wife screamed from afar. I bolted towards our bedroom. Holly stood in the doorframe, motionless, staring at our bed. It might have been the adrenaline shock, but I missed the details as I ran. I missed the dripping knife in Holly's hand. I missed the trail of blood meandering through the carpet, staining her tiny feet. I missed the stranger seeding ideas into my daughter's brain. I missed the second knife in Holly's pocket. But I didn't miss my wife's corpse, slain at the throat. Ugular blasting voraciously, feeding the pungent crimson river. Nor did I miss Holly's reassuring smile as she grabbed my hand. Don't worry, Daddy. Darren told me he would heal her. This happened about two years ago when I was 22. After work, I stopped at a local convenience store to buy beer. The cashier looked familiar, but it's a very small town, population of 6,000. He acted odd. I asked how he was doing to make small talk, and he just stared at me. I instantly felt uncomfortable, so I only glanced at him a few times before I left. I arrived home ten minutes later and decided to browse Facebook. I had a friend request. The guy looked familiar. He was a local, so I accepted him. A few hours later, I realized it was the cashier. He'd got my name off my ID and added me not even five minutes after I left. I told my boyfriend. We agreed. It was weird. A few days later, he came into my work. I asked my boss. She'd never seen him in there before. He grabbed milk and initiated small talk with me. I felt uncomfortable. He asked if I remembered him, told me his name, and that we'd been good friends in high school. We never said two words to each other. I was trying to be polite and told him yes, I remembered. After a few minutes, my boss pulled me in the office. She was watching through the window and could tell I was uncomfortable. It was a small pharmacy and we were all close. He started coming in every few days. If I wasn't there, he'd ask for me. After a few weeks, my boss would pull me in the office whenever he walk in. All the managers were briefed and did the same. That was all they could do until something happened. Then he stopped coming in. We didn't see him for weeks. I was relieved and went about my business. I was allowed to carry my cell phone on the floor. My mom was very sick, so if she needed anything, the managers were fine with her calling me. I got a text from a random number shortly after. I asked who it was and they replied, You don't remember? You gave me this number. It's my stalker. I'll call him George. My heart started pounding. I sent a polite short message back. After work, I checked to see if my phone number was anywhere on Facebook. It wasn't. George started messaging me daily, calling me sexy or babe. I was freaked out to say the least. My boyfriend was working out of town with limited cell reception, so I couldn't let him know what was going on. A few days later, I got a message from an old classmate I still talk to once in a while. Hey, did George ever get a hold of you? He said there was an emergency and needed to contact you. Is everything alright? I broke down crying, finally acknowledging that, yes, I was being stalked. I didn't know if he was violent, and he knew where I worked, so I sent him something like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I have a boyfriend. I didn't want there to be a misunderstanding between us. That's when it got bad. He called me a liar, a stupid whore, telling me he doesn't know why my ugly ass would even think he was interested in me. 
No man would be interested in your nastiness. I asked him to leave me alone. The insults got worse. Slut. Whore. I shut my phone off, cried, and tried to ignore him. A few hours later, after calming down, I turned it back on and hesitantly checked. The last message he said read, I know where you work. I know where your house is. I could kill you in your sleep and you wouldn't see it coming. Try to call the cops on me. I'm in New York right now. Do it. They can't protect you. Obviously not as legible. I could tell he was mad and wrote it in haste. I called a friend, explained, showed her the text. She took me down to the police station where I showed them the texts. I was shaking. I filed a report and later got a restraining order against him. Turns out, he already had two other restraining orders from girls he'd done this to, as well. My boyfriend came back a week later. I told him what happened and had to stop him from hunting that guy down. Last year, he tried to get my number from a friend over Facebook. She blocked him. I haven't seen or heard from him since. Thankfully, there have been very few times in my life I've been that scared. You hear about stuff like this on the news or in documentaries, but never think it can happen to you. I slept with the light on for months.